0: A lesson for this morning on March the 30th, 2008 is Discipline and Self-Esteem. The text is Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12, which reads as follows. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God bless the reading of his word and let us bow our heads in the word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit, and for his ability to explain your word. So give us the words to say and let us say them with liberty, with clarity, and with boldness. And that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now, thank you very much for uh, Coming to hear the message for today, and before we begin this, our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for coming to church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. Now, we are returning to the topic of the intelligent method of raising responsible children. All right. In our last lesson on the topic, back on March 9th, one of my theses was that we should abandon building self-esteem in favor of using discipline to develop character and build respect for the authority of God's word in our children. And I found that we had a disconnect in our definitions of discipline and self-esteem, and I would like to clarify those concepts. Now, discipline has to do with training. Proverbs 22 and 6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 continues the thought. It says, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now, the first clause of, of, of the 13th verse of Proverbs 23 is an important concept. That which the Bible is discussing in this passage of Scripture is, a, is part of the process of training. When anyone fails to perform a task in the manner that they are instructed by the person who is in authority, there are generally two possibilities to explain the failure. The failure is either a deficiency of knowledge or a deficiency of execution. A deficiency of knowledge means that the person is incapable of performing the task assigned because they actually do not know how to do it. A deficiency of execution means that the person actually does know how to perform the task but makes the volitional decision, meaning the choice not to do so. Now the method that you can use to differentiate between the two deficiencies is to ascertain whether or not the person could perform the task if their life depended on it. If they could not perform the task, then the deficiency is the deficiency of knowledge. If they could perform the task, then the deficiency is the deficiency of execution. Now, when the one that you are training fails to perform due to a deficiency of knowledge, the proper remedial solution is training. For example, if a child has been exposed to the multiplication but does not understand the concepts, the child cannot multiply because he or she does not know how to do so. In that case, the training that the child received was inadequate, and the child needs to be retrained. This would be the case of a child trained in the facts of multiplication without prior training in addition. This child lacks the facts needed to understand multiplication and needs to be retrained. But now, when the one you are training fails to perform due to a deficiency of execution, Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 applies. Using the multiplication example, if the child knows how to multiply, and could perform the task if he or she desired to do so, but willfully declines to perform, their problem is one of discipline rather than a problem of knowledge, and further training is not in order in this case. And the Bible recommends corporal punishment as the most effective form of discipline. But corporal punishment will only correct deficiencies of execution and should only be used in the case of willful disobedience. And as a parent, you have the responsibility to ascertain the type of deficiency that your child has before you decide on the proper remedy for the deficiency. A parent can only properly correct the deficiency when they understand the reason for the deficiency, so a parent should take the time to investigate the situation before they decide the form of correction, since there are always two possibilities. Now, since corporal punishment will only cure willful disobedience, corporal punishment should only be used when there is an actual deficiency and the parent has ascertained that the deficiency is a deficiency of execution, not knowledge. Children should not be chastised unless the parent has positive proof that the child needs correction. Children should not be chastised either arbitrarily or generally, or because of a parent's frustration. A child is not a dog to kick because you are mad. And I've heard of cases where a parent chastises the child on a regular basis without any specific provocations. The parent's rationale for this is that the child should be chastised because he or she must have done something. And as I have previously stated, discipline is an act designed to correct. And you cannot correct a mistake unless you know the substance of the mistake. Corporal punishment not related to a specific deficiency is not discipline, it is abuse. Now that being said, corporal punishment, probably administered, is an excellent method of fixing actual problems of the deficiencies of execution. The child exposed to judiciously administered corporal punishment will learn to discipline him or herself in order to avoid the unpleasant experience of being punished by someone other than themselves. The disciplined child will obtain a positive self-image because of their accomplishments. The child responds to discipline, buckles down, and does well on the multiplication test and can be congratulated and will develop a positive self-image from the knowledge that they have achieved a goal. This positive self-image is different from the artificial position of those who believe in that which our culture calls self-esteem, which is a concept, which is an attempt, rather, to develop a positive self-image in a child apart from any accomplishment. Self-esteem, as it is generally used, means that a child is worthy just because they are alive, which is certainly not the case. Listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 26, which tells us, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is being revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, in the biblical transaction of salvation, there is no righteousness in those of us that are saved. Our sentence should be death because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our righteousness is apart from our experience of following the law because we have not followed the law. Our deficiency is a deficiency of execution because we could have followed the law, but chose not to do so. Our righteousness does not exist because we are sinners, but we are declared righteous as a function of the works of Jesus Christ, who came to do the work required to justify us. Jesus is the righteous one. His work was his sacrifice on the cross, and we are saved from the corporal punishment that those who do not believe him will receive, because we are simply gifted with his righteousness. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, follows this concept with this admonition. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Self-esteem, as we understand it, is thinking more highly of oneself than one ought to think because the self-esteem is not based on any accomplishment, either intellectual or physical, that we have had. Self-esteem simply means that we are choosing to worship ourselves and leads us to ignore the commandments of God because we think that that which we want is more important emphasizing self-esteem leads to brattiness in children and in adults as well. And is a major cause of the interpersonal, interpersonal problems as we cannot get along with one another because we are arguing over who is the greatest. The disciples had that problem in Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48, which says, then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thoughts of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For who is least? he who is least among you will be great. Now, Jesus' answer does not sound much like he is pumping up the disciples, does it? The argument recurs among the disciples, and Jesus answers it once again in Luke 22, 24 through 27. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So we are not called to self-esteem, but to service. I'm back to my point about accomplishments. When we have accomplished something, we should thank God for the ability to do that, which we have done. But even then, our pride in ourselves should be minimized. Luke seventeen five 5-10 reads, And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, and can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or attending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come in at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you... When you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, self-esteem, as we understand it, is the leading cause of sin. Self-esteem, as we understand it, is the leading cause of willful disobedience. Self-esteem is thinking more highly of oneself than one ought to think, rather than thinking soberly about one's position and accomplishments. Even if we do everything that the Lord tells us to do, we would only have done our duty. We would still not be the one that causes the worlds to twirl on their axes, puts vitamins in vegetables and proteins in meat so that we could survive. We are still not the ones that died on Calvary's cross so that our lives on this side might have meaning so that we can have a right and a just right to the tree of life. We are at best, even if we follow all of God's commandments, unprofitable servants who have simply done their duty. So I hope that this gives us some perspective on ourselves. We have a position in God's kingdom because of his magnanimous mercy and because of his wonderful goodness and because of his amazing grace. And what have we done to merit these blessings? nothing. We will not even receive them unless we choose to discipline ourselves to following the teachings of Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and present ourselves as a living sacrifice and holy, not because we are so righteous, but because we have chosen to set ourselves apart for the work in his kingdom. We have no kingdom, nor should we aspire to be kings. Our prayer should be Thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. Because even if I were a king, it would be a kingdom of sin. So children need to develop competency and humility rather than self-esteem. Rather than creating an artificial good feeling in ourselves and in that which we want, we should rather create trust in the Lord as Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 tells us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. David, the sweet singer of Israel and a great king, was given the power of God when he chose to trust in God rather than in himself. David was just a boy when the giant warrior Goliath challenged Israel to send him a man. 1 Samuel seventeen four through eleven says, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of that coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of this Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So fear was the reaction of the men of Israel. The fear was probably well-founded because their opposition was six cubits and a span tall, which is over nine feet. His bronze armor weighed 5,000 shekels, which is 125 pounds. This was a seriously large fellow. And as verse 11 of 1 Samuel 17 tells us, the Israel's self-esteem was severely shaken. There were some warriors among the Israelite army, and the army had been successful in the past but this guy Goliath was a piece of work the israelites were rescued from Goliath however by a boy that had a singular perspective david the young son of jesse who was too young to be in the army was sent to the front by his father with supplies for his older brothers and when david heard Goliath's declaration he went to see King Saul. 1 Samuel seven thirty-two through 37 tells us, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, nowhere in his declaration does David say, I can do it. David says that the Lord will deliver him. This is not arrogant self-esteem or faith in his ability to fight but trust in the Lord. Now, the confrontation between David and Goliath is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41 through 47. The Bible says, So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you a flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give into our hand. So of the two of them, David and Goliath, who is the one with the self-esteem? Goliath calls upon his own power, but David calls upon the power of the Lord. And the battle is completed in 1 Samuel seventeen forty-eight through 51, which says, So it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then, David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. David sings of his trust in the Lord, which was the bedrock of his strength in the 71st Psalm. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge, to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been withheld from, upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall continually be of you. I have become a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails, for my enemies speak against me. And those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, but there is none to deliver him. O God, do not be far from me. O God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, Do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You have done great things. O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I shall praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue shall talk of your righteousness all the day long for they are confounded. They are brought to shame who seek my hurt. There is no self-esteem in the 71st Psalm, and nor should there be any self-esteem in us. Our souls are redeemed, not by our goodness or by our righteousness, but by God, who provided the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that our sins might be forgiven. He is the king. We are only his worthless servants. But it is better for us to dwell in his gracious kingdom than in the worthless situations that we can construct. David tells us in Psalm 84, 10 through 12, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and mercy. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts. In you. Now, we have the good things that we have, not because of our own power, but because the Lord has chosen not to withhold them from us. The Lord is the one that paid the price on Calvary and is the one of whom we should think when we contemplate our self-esteem, considering ourselves more highly than we ought. But let us remember the words of David when self-esteem becomes the issue, And let us train up our children in the way that they should go, not to trust in their own righteousness, but to trust in the Lord. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning for this lesson. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to allow our pants not to get too big for us. Help us not to step out on on pride and conceit and vain glory but help us to recognize that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? We want to thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. We want to keep, we asking you that you would help us to keep you uppermost in our mind when we have triumphs and to recognize that you have navigated the circumstances of our lives, that you have gathered us under the authority of your word, that you have put us in places and in situations when we can have the triumphs that we have had. And if it had not been for you, that we would just simply be unprofitable servants with nothing to show for our servitude. But now, Lord, we also want to thank you for all that are in the house today. And we also want to ask you that you give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and thank God. So let us pray. Christian God, our Father, we thank you this morning that you have brought us back out to the house of prayer once again. We thank you for uh, the word and for that which you have given us that we might be able to uh, make it plain. And we ask you, Lord, that you would uh, bless all that it and make it a, a profitable lesson in their lives. And our Lord, we're praying for Sister Allen today, and we're asking you that you continue to bless her aunt, uh, uh, who is still, who she's been to see and has returned from the trip. We thank you that... Uh, even though she found flying traumatic, that the uh, that the pilot was able to execute his plans as he planned them and bring her back safely, take her and bring her back safely from the place that she had to travel to for that sad purpose. We pray for the family. And we ask you that you continue to comfort them, even though the service is over and and all has been done. But we ask you that you still give them comfort. We're praying for our Sister Allen's husband and for her father and. Uh, For her mother with a broken ankle, we're asking that you bless them, Lord. And for the grandchildren who are here today, we're just asking you, Lord, that uh, you go with them and stand by them and guide them and direct them as they're growing up in their young lives. We're praying for Kay and especially asking you that you would help her with the little cold that she seems to be developing, and we'd ask you that you would uh, send an angel to chase it away, that she might not be afflicted with it and be ready to go back to school and on, on tomorrow. And we just want to thank you for it uh, Lord, we just want to uh, thank you for uh, uh, her daughter that she brought, uh, the one that's like the daughter to us, Sister Brown. We just want to ask you, Lord, that you continue to bless her and all that she does uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, I'm praying for my wife and I'm asking you that you go with all that she has on her list. And, uh, just looking looking on them and of course we pray for Paul and asking you that you continue to bless Mother Z and of course all that she has on there. Uh, Sister Garrity, who's uh, uh, in the Mayo Clinic. We just ask you Lord that you look in on her case as she has been diagnosed with cancer and that you would uh, allow one of your ministering servants to go down and heal her of that. That they might have a glorious testimony uh, of a miraculous recovery. We want to thank you for it. We ask you also to give the doctor's skill as they administer to her and do their best to make her well as well. Lord, we're praying for Paul and for those about whom he is concerned. We're asking, Lord, that you continue to bless Rick uh, as he is far away uh, in Germany. We ask you, Lord, that you allow that tour of duty to uh, find him well, give him training things to do that will increase his skills and keep him at the same time safe. That he might be able to come home to his young wife and we pray for her. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd give her the intestinal fortitude that she needs to maintain her marriage without her husband around being in the military overseas. And we just ask you, Lord, that you'd uh, keep them both safe uh, with one another. Also, praying for Eric and Amanda as the time is drawing near that the child is going to be delivered. And we just ask you, Lord, that you'd let all go well in that situation as well. Now, Lord, we're praying for our Brother Edwards and his family as they are out today. Uh, basketball game we asked Lord that they would uh, be able to enjoy that experience let uh, uh, Harris jr uh, do a, uh, Harris the third rather do a good job on that uh, that he might be able that they might have a good report for him and allow them to enjoy their day and uh, we did that continuing prayer for, uh, for Edwards' uh, grandmother sister Nichols just go with them and stand by them and give him traveling mercy as he goes up and down the road this week between here and Grand Rapids just go with him and stand by. Now we're praying, Lord, for the Lee family, for our brother and sister Lee, and for Cedric, and, and for Darius as well. We're just asking you, Lord, that uh, you go with Darius as he's uh, winding up his academic career. Uh, allow him to glean all that he can during uh, this last stand, and uh, just prepare him for the next phase that he might be able to go down from the college that from which he is matriculating, and then go into the workaday world and make his mark on the environment where he is going. We pray for uh, Cedric as well. Continue to let him complete his academic time this year and get him ready for a big change next year that's coming. We just want to bless you. We just want to thank you for that, Lord, and just give him that which he requires that he might be able to uh, do that well. We want to pray for Sister Lee as she is faced with the challenge at the high school. We pray for her that she might have a word to say Uh, that would sink into the minds and hearts of those young people. Uh, We want to pray for them as well, that they might have a listening and an attentive ear, Uh, give them a family environments and other kinds of environments that they might be able to uh, uh, overcome the uh, negative things in our society that afflict them, that they might be able to stay on the straight, narrow path, complete their education, and do well in their life as they go on. Then we also pray for Brother Lee as he goes down from this place and we ask Lord that you bless him and his business as he's taking care of it as he goes to and fro, give him traveling mercies and keep him safe in all that he does. Lord, we also pray for Brother and Sister McClure. We ask that you continue to bless them and their children in college. We ask that you allow Janelle to enjoy this last time that she has in her undergraduate career. I ask ask that you give her a good decision about what she's going to do next year and allow her to... Do it well, give a good preparation, and then give a good execution as well. And we thank you for in prayer for J.J., help him to buckle down as the end of the term is coming. We just ask you, Lord, that you let him get his lesson so that when the test time comes, he'll be able to acquit himself admirably. And we pray for brother and sister McLuhan, Lord. We thank you that they're able to come back this week after their illness of last week. And we also ask you, Lord, that you go with them and stand by them in all that they do. We thank you for it. Still in prayer for brother and sister Winston, bless brother Winston's uh, shoulder and, and uh, sister Winston. We just ask you that you give her that which she requires to take care of their family. Just go with them and stand by them in all that they do. Prayer for dad, and uh, we ask we thank you, Lord, that uh, his eyesight has pretty much returned and he's back to back to normal and things are going well for him. We just want to thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in this period where he's had uh, these two surgeries. And, that you brought in through well and that all has gone well. We just want to thank you for it. We're continuing in prayer for Aunt Naomi who has another surgery next month on her eyes. and We ask that you give her the same type of care that dad had that she might be able to come out of it and they might be able to spend their time and enjoy their, enjoy their time with one another. praying for the rest of the family, Lord, and we're continuing in prayer for my Brother Perkins down in Louisiana and Brother Northern down in Texas. We just ask that you bless them uh, go with their, go with them, and help them to uh, raise their children in the way that they should go, so that when they get old, they will not depart from it. And we pray for all who are over uh, overseas today in, in the war effort, and we ask the Lord that you put a hedge of protection around those whom we know that are over there, and we ask you, Lord, that you you would also bless those whom we do not know that are over there, and we just ask you, Lord, that you would just go with them and stand by them and allow that conflict to come to a profitable conclusion and help them to come back home simply to their families and to their friends and to uh, resume their civilian uh, jobs here and allow them, Lord, to uh, to benefit from the time that they spent in the service. Hello, we pray for the television station, as we've already prayed for our armed forces as well, and for the young men and women in this neighborhood and for the salvation of our family and friends, if there be any that don't know you in the pardon of their sins. Now, Lord, I pray for my wife who is the love of my life. I ask you that you would bless us and help us uh, to enjoy the time that we have together. We thank you for glorious time yesterday, and we ask you, Lord, that you continue to go with us and stand by us, guide us and direct us in all that we do. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. All that we have and all that we do is based upon the mercy of God that has given us life and health and strength and breath and all those things that we have. And as we go down from this place today, let us remember that our relationship with God is based upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven and died on Calvary's cross and then rose from the dead, that we might have a right and a just right to the tree of life. Let us remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us and let us remember him now as we eat and drink together. Remember the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest with us now, henceforth, now and forevermore. Let every heart say, Amen.